in the first service. I'm going to read again the verses in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, and then we'll ask, have a word of prayer and just ask God's blessing as we continue uh, here in Ephesians chapter 4. So once again, uh, verses 15 and 16 of 1 Timothy chapter 1. says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Let's ask God's blessing and then we will continue. Lord, once again, we do thank you for this portion of your word. Thank you how you use Paul, even while they're in prison, to encourage the believers at Ephesus with uh, this letter that he wrote to them. And Lord, again, you saw fit to include it as part of your word that we also might be encouraged in our walk with you. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I know uh, Andrew must have me on the pulpit mic because I didn't turn this one on yet. Um, there, I think I got it. So you got me twice. All right. I wanted to, I wanted to go back to that verse because uh, in Rand's book, once again, he actually has a, he has a paraphrase of that verse concerning uh, long-suffering there in 1 Timothy verse 15 and 16. And I, I, I like the fact, you know, you know what a paraphrase is. It's, it's, it's not the actual text, but it's uh, a description of what that text is. And Paul gives a, Paul, I don't, I don't mean Paul Rand, gives a good paraphrase description of that text there in 1 Timothy 1 verses 15 and 16. Uh, it says, um, it says, these verses explain the patience that Jesus displayed with a persecuting church terrorist named Saul, who, because of the love and patience of Christ, became a loving church encourager named Paul. What I am about to say, and here's the paraphrase here. What I am about to say is trustworthy and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I, Paul, am the chief of sinners, the worst of them all. But my wonderful God had mercy on me so that Jesus could use me as a prime example of his perfect patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others, no matter how wicked they have been, can also believe in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Okay, I thought that was a good paraphrase that Rand used <clears throat> concerning these verses. All right, I'm going to go back again to uh, Ephesians chapter 4, picking it up in verse... Um, uh, oh, the last part of verse 2, where we left off. Forbearing one another in love. Forbearing one another in love. And another way to uh, quote that uh, phrase 
is loving tolerance. And I mentioned uh, in long-suffering concerning one another's faults. How do we deal with one another's faults? And this is really a continuation of that same thought. Loving tolerance of one another. And what's that mean? It means we make allowances for each other's faults. Uh, Not condoning but in an understanding way, make allowances. Now, that's talking about allowances for each other's sin, okay, as such, all right? We don't condone each other's faults, but we make allowances in a tolerating way or a tolerance uh, of one another's faults. And so, Paul, again, encouraging, and again, the thought being, as you read through these letters that Paul wrote to the churches at various churches, as you read between the lines, so to speak, Paul is dealing with various issues within that church. So you get the impression there was an issue among the believers in the church at Ephesus in not tolerating one another's faults. And so that's why Paul uh, deals with it here uh, in this account. All right, forbearing one another in love. That's where the loving tolerance comes in. So give others the time to change that God gives us. Once we're first saved, do we become a perfect Christian? Certainly not. God has a long-suffering tolerance towards us as we grow in him. Uh, As a matter of fact, we never become a perfect Christian. We're always going to have our failures and sin issues we deal with. All right, but Paul is saying in this, in in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, I'm just going to flip over there and uh, read that one. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Very common verse. But Paul is encouraging the Ephesian believers to have that same type of loving tolerance towards one another. I don't think there's probably any church uh, in existence today, good godly church in existence today, that there isn't at times a disagreement among one another within that church, whether it's a small church like ours, whether it's a very large church. Uh, there are probably times in every church that there can be some disagreements uh, between us uh, within that assembly. How do we deal with those? All right, Paul is very simply saying we need to deal with those disagreements or differences in the same way that Jesus dealt with differences among those that he walked with and ministered with uh, in, uh, in the early church while he was here on this earth. Now, I say the early church. I know the church age didn't actually start until after Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven. But Jesus walked with 12 apostles. Uh, Did they always agree on everything? Probably not. All right. Jesus walked with them. He taught them. And they tolerated one another. And that's the example that Paul is trying to show the believers at Ephesus here. And the interesting thing, uh, one of those 12 was the one that was going to betray the Lord. And he knew it during all the time uh, that they ministered together. And yet, even though he he knew that, he continued to show love to Judas as he did to each of the other 11. And that is what God wants us to do towards one another. 
yeah, we may have uh, personality differences. Uh, there may be things about each one of us that we may not approve of. I don't like the way John parts his hair. John, you got to make, no, not really, all right? Um, but, you know, there may be, <laughs> John straightened his hair out, okay. <laughs> anyway, um, not at all, all right? But very simply, Paul is saying, and I believe Paul is saying, hey, you guys got a problem with tolerating one another, tolerating each other's um, faults. And you got to deal with that, okay? And I think that's what Paul is saying. you got to deal with it. All right, so we go on to the next uh, verse. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, this is the point, this is the key point that Paul is trying to emphasize here starting in chapter 4. Being united, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I got another quote I want to read from Rand. Um, and, and, and I find, I mean, personally, I, I could just kind of say what Rand says, but it's a whole lot easier uh, and a whole lot clearer to just read Rand's words as he went through uh, the Bible studies uh, that he did here. So um, another quote, all right, concerning forbearing one another in love. Now, we've already done that, and I did not leave this, uh, read this earlier, but uh, I want to pick this up. Read this, and then I think there's one more quote concerning verse 3 that uh, I have from Rand here. Yes. Okay. Uh, Forbearing one another in love. And uh, another thing Rand had to say concerning that. All right. Loving tolerance. Lovingly be willing to make allowance for each other's faults. Not in a condoning way, which I mentioned earlier, but in an understanding way. Give others the time to change that God gives you. It takes a long time for a tree to produce fruit. Think about that in a minute. It takes a long time for a tree to produce fruit. And Paul's making the spiritual application here. Not every one of us are going to produce fruit when we first start to grow. No tree will produce fruit when it first starts to grow. All right, and that's some of the tolerance that Paul is working in here. Okay, uh, but God commendeth his love toward us, as we just read there in Romans 5, 8, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is a loving tolerance. And then as we go down to verse 3, concerning keeping the unity, okay, um, and Paul refers, uh, Rand refers back to chapter 2 and verse 14 of Ephesians. I'll just read that quickly. Chapter 2 and verse 14. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Again, going back to the thought that both Jews and Gentiles have the same God. Both Jews and Gentiles have the same Savior. We are brothers and sisters together. All right, Rand goes on to say, Why is it that when God breaks down walls, as we saw there in Ephesians 2, verse 14, we try to build them back up? Our lack of unity as God-loving, Bible-believing members of Christ's body is a scary and revealing picture of our constant battle with selfishness, pride, envy, strife, contention, jealousies, condescending attitudes, and the list could go on and on. Where God wants us to bind ourselves together, we normally seek ways to snap the bands and go our own ways, excluding all those who disagree with our specific agendas. 
God has asked for us to bind together in unity without giving up our God-given diversity. All right, so again, concerning uh, keep the unity there in verse 3. Uh, keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Um, and then, then, starting in verse 4, Paul gives um, uh, seven different uh, ways in which we, as the church or body, are one. And I'm going to see how far I think I can get through those, and uh, we'll see how far we get beyond that. But he starts off with, the first one he starts off with is there is one body. All right. And again, back in chapter 3. Uh, when he was talking about the mystery of the unity between Jews and Gentiles, he was working up to dealing with that we are all one body. All right, all who truly are born again from all generations, nations, people, groups, backgrounds are spiritual brothers and sisters. We need to recognize and accept every truly born again person no matter what color their skin, what language they speak, what background they have, as fellow heirs in Christ. Now, we as people on this earth, if you have brothers and sisters, physical blood brothers and sisters, we may not always get along um, with each other. Uh, every family is different. Sometimes, brother, I'm not looking at David, but <laughs> we get along well, all right? Um, sometimes there are horrible, horrible rifts within a physical family. Uh, that ought not, never to be within a, within a Christian family. Um, but what Paul is saying here is that if you're born again, you're a member of the family of God, you're a child, and you should have the right relationship with every other member of the family of God, no matter what color their skin, no matter what language they speak, no matter what background uh, they're from, and, and the list could go on and on and on and on. All right, verse, uh, the second thing he mentions, there is one body, there is one spirit, and that's obviously referring to the Holy Spirit that indwells us as God's children. There is one spirit, it is through the same Holy Spirit that every individual is drawn to salvation. I have a couple of quotes from Albert Barnes, one of the commentators I use uh, in my study and preparation. But there's, here's a couple different quotes from Albert Barnes uh, concerning the one spirit. He says, The same spirit has enlightened all, convicted all, converted all. All the gifts of prayer and preaching, all the zeal, the ardor, the love, the self-denial in the church, all are produced by the same spirit. Okay, so that's the second uh, thing he has dealt with here. Um, okay, I just got to keep my notes straight here. All right. Um, okay, so there's one body, there's one spirit. The next thing he mentions is even as ye are called, what is he referring to there? Uh, we are called to be united as one through the Holy Spirit. Even as ye are called uh, in one hope of your calling. Uh, Ephesians 2 and verse 12. And again, I will read that uh, as well. 
that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And over here refers to, uh, again, that hope. Uh, ye are called in one hope of your calling. And what is Paul referring? This is a different hope than the one he's referring to back in chapter 2, verse 12. You were without hope, all right? Paul is saying here uh, that hope is an assurance, okay? It's an assurance. Uh, before salvation, we were without hope. We had no hope of eternity with the Lord, okay? And, and then once we are saved, now we have the assurance or secure hope of eternal life. And the, the next thing that he deals with there in verse 5, uh, three different ones, but the first one, one Lord. And again, another quote from Albert Barnes. says, there is not one Savior for the Jews and a different one for the Gentiles. Gentiles. Not one for the rich and another for the poor. Not one for the bond and another for the free. Uh, and then another quote from Albert Barnes concerning uh, this being united. He says, let two men who have never seen each other before meet in a distant land and feel that they have the same Redeemer, and their hearts will mingle into one. And for those, anybody who has traveled any amount uh, to other parts of the country, other parts of the world, uh, when you meet a fellow brother or sister in the Lord, you tend to feel that bond right away. You tend to feel that bond right away. Now, I haven't traveled. Sarah and I haven't traveled a lot. The extent of our travel mostly is, is to visit Clay and Joanna in Nevada. But when we first visited uh, the church out there, first started to get to know some of the folks, we, we like instantly felt a bond, felt a common bond. And that's what Paul is referring to uh, here. Uh, we all have the same Lord. We're all children with the same Father. We all have that common bond as brothers and sisters. And so, again, if we backed up, continuing along the thought of tolerating one another, all right? Uh, Paul says, your brothers, your sisters, basically says, deal with it, okay? You have faults. I have faults, all right? Deal with it is really what Paul is saying here in a nice way, okay? You have, we all have one Lord. We all have the same faith, one faith. Those who believe the same gospel message and doctrine taught throughout the Bible and have the same confidence in the Redeemer in their heart should be united. And again, no matter what background they have. All right. Number six, uh, the, third, the sixth thing that Paul mentions here, one baptism. Now, as I studied this one out, uh, there a couple different thoughts. Uh, Rand very, very clearly believes this is referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit that takes place upon salvation. A couple other commentators I looked at feel like this is referring to the physical water baptism that we, go, that we partake in as an outward sign of our changed life. Um, I don't know the answer. I tend to believe that Rand's thought is that this is referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I tend to believe that that is the most accurate one. Uh, and actually, it, it, was, it was Albert Barnes that I read, and I totally disagreed with what he said about this. But he was basically saying, no matter how you're baptized, it's all the same. And he was saying, whether you're sprinkled, whether you're poured, whether you're immersed, 
it's all the same. And I tend to disagree with that. I believe baptism by immersion is the example that is set. If we went back to the Philippian uh, eunuch uh, and, and, and God directing, um, there's a man that needs salvation, and as soon as he got saved, here's a pool of water. What doth hinder me to baptize? I think that's a pretty clear example of what God expects. Albert Barnes even goes to the point of saying, infant baptism, it's all the same. And, and I just, I totally agree with that. I think you're really messed up uh, on that thought. But anyway, so I believe what Rand is saying here is, is, is more accurate. This is referring to we're all baptized through the same Holy Spirit, all right, at the point of salvation. So again, no matter what part of the world you're from, no matter what language you speak, no matter whether you're Gentile or Jew, you're all baptized through this, the, uh, the Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit. And uh, I tend to believe that that's more accurate. Right, number seven in verse six, he refers to one God and Father of all. By the way, um, and again, in studying this out, the thought here in verse five is that the one Lord is specifically referring to Jesus. Because in verse 4, he talks about the one Spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit. In verse 6, he talks about the one God and Father, referring to God the Father. So again, the one Lord, uh, believed to, uh, to be specifically referring to uh, the Lord Jesus himself. All right, uh, verse 6, um, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. All right, and again, there is not one God for the Jews and another God for the Gentiles. Uh, very simple. Uh, and if he is truly our God, then as an adopted child, he is our heavenly Father. Uh, disunity only occurs when we are not walking with God. Um, I won't mention any names, but we've been praying for a couple that are... Uh, looking dearly, dearly, Christian couple, dear Christian couple that are looking to adopt a young, young girl. Um, and for whatever reason, every time they go to uh, a hearing about this adoption, it gets delayed another week, another week, another week, another week. And just pray for this matter as an unspoken request. The last hearing they went to a few days ago, the judge said, I am going to put in writing my verdict concerning this case. This little girl's been living with this family as a foster child for a period of time. They've grown to love her dearly. What the hold is, is they don't know. But just pray. Uh, perhaps even tomorrow, perhaps in a couple of days, uh, they will receive the verdict. Uh, so pray for that matter, uh, that uh, God might allow them to adopt this girl that they have grown to love so very, very dearly. All right? But we're all adopted into the family of God. We all have the same father. Uh, disunity occurs when we are not walking with God. And again, it seemed fairly evident that that had been happening among the believers there at the church of Ephesus. So therefore, Paul it became necessary for Paul to deal with that. All right, verse seven. But unto every one of us is, uh, yeah, unto every one of us is given uh, grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And the Rand asked the question: What grace gift has Christ given me to encourage others? What grace gift has Christ given me to encourage others? 
All right, and then uh, again, and Pastor Misha would say this over and over and over again. Whenever you saw the word but in the scriptures, it meant a change of direction. All right, so Paul deals with issues that apparently were taking place among the believers in Ephesus. Then it comes down to verse 7, okay, but every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. All right, Uh, change of direction from the teaching on unity. Uh, Though all Christians should be unified because we are all children of the same God, we do not all have the same gifts, all right? We're individuals. God gives us individual gifts. We still are to work in a unified way, but use the gift God's given you, okay? Uh, God gives us all different gifts. Uh, There are gifts that you have that I don't. There are gifts I have that you don't. All right, and so that's Paul is trying to get a little bit more individual with the believers here. All right, you need to be unified, and yet you have separate gifts from one another. And now he's trying to encourage him. God's giving you a job, He's giving you a ministry, He's giving you a responsibility. And now it's time for you to start thinking about what is my gift and how does God want me to use it for the benefit of my brothers and sisters in the Lord. We have different gifts uh, given to us through Christ. Each one of us are unique as a child of God with different gifts, different abilities, different personalities, and different approaches uh, to life. And uh, so again, every one of us, all right, but unto every one of us, uh, not one of us is excluded or can hide from the inspired word of God. If a fellow believer ever tells you, I don't have any gifts, you can refute them right away. God very clearly says, you do. You do. Okay? Maybe you've got to spend time praying about, Lord, show me what my gifts are. Show me what my gifts are. All right? But some people try to hide behind that and say, oh, I don't have any gifts. I can't do anything for the Lord. All right? We should never do that. A child of God should never do that. And I'm not saying any of us do. Okay? Not at all. But there are believers that would say, no, I I don't have any gifts. God can't use me with any gifts. But no, we do. We clearly do. All right? Um, Each individual believer has just the abilities uh, that God wants us to have. These gifts are totally undeserved and unearned. Um, And another John, uh, John, Rand quotes um, John MacArthur. And in his commentary, in a commentary that John MacArthur had written. Now, John MacArthur, unfortunately, uh, we don't support 100% anymore. He's kind of gone the way of Reformed theology, which we disagree with. But at the time that he had written these commentaries, um, it, I feel it was very, very uh, good a thought concerning this. Uh, so this is from John MacArthur's commentary on Ephesians that Rand quoted from uh, here concerning uh, uh, verse 7. Unto us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And there's seven or eight different things that's mentioned here. All right, unity is not uniformity and is perfectly consistent with diversity of gifts. All right, you need to be unified. Use your gifts that are individual as God intended for you to do, all right? Secondly, God is a God of grace because he is a God who freely gives. It has nothing to do with anything we have done 
or have failed to do. It can only be received. Can you earn the gift? No, you cannot. Can I earn the gift? No. It has nothing to do with, with what we do. We just need to receive it. God's given it to us. We need to receive it. We need to use it for his glory. Thirdly, God is gracious because of who he is, not because of who or what we are. All right? Nothing to do with us. It's because of who he is. God owes nothing to sinful men except judgment for their sin. He does not owe men the smallest blessing or favor. Yet in his grace, he has given us the blessing of all blessings, the immeasurable blessing of intimate shared life with one another. All right. Uh, Next, each believer's gift is unique. The Lord has measured out the exact proportion to each believer's of each believer's gift. Uh, Next, believer's gifts are like snowflakes and fingerprints. Each one is completely distinct from all others. And then the last thing he mentions, Christianity is not assembly line productions with every unit being exactly like every other unit. Consequently, no Christian can replace another in God's plan. He has his own individualized plan for each of us and has individually gifted us accordingly. We are not interchangeable parts in Christ's body. And I thought that, you know, as I read that, I thought that's very interesting. I mean, obviously there are many people that have the gift of evangelism, but does everyone use their gift of evangelism in exactly the same way? No. And I thought his thought, John MacArthur's thought, they were very interesting. We all have a unique individual gifts and if we're not using them as God intended then part of his body is not functioning as he had intended and I see my time is gone and this is a good a good stopping place uh, for us and so next time I speak which probably will be the first Sunday of April uh, we will pick it up uh, with verse 8 and continue on um, I did have, actually, I'll get them. I have a couple of really good quotes, and we'll get to those next time, out of H.A. Um, Ironside's commentary on Ephesians as well. But uh, we'll get to them next time. And then also next time, I will, I will share a few things out of this, out of this book um, concerning how God, in his marvelous grace, um, through these men, the word of God got to people that probably never, ever, ever would have heard it. Uh, otherwise, uh, one one of the lumberjacks, and throughout the book they refer to them as jacks. But one of the lumberjacks um, made a comment, and, and and we'll look at that later. But basically, he said, anybody who has wares to pedal, they go about they go about pedaling their wares. And then he, and then he asked the first gentleman's name in here was was Frank Higgins, and he asked this gentleman, how come Christians don't pedal their wares? as other people peddle their wares. In other words, how come Christians aren't as quick to give the gospel to others? And it's just a very interesting thought concerning that. All right, let's close in prayer. Our time is gone. And then probably, again, probably um, the first Sunday of April we'll pick up with that. By the way, before I close in prayer, we do have the month of um, March is covered for speakers um, and uh, Dave Tubbs being the one that's coming uh, next week. 
Okay, so just keep that in mind. All right, let's close. Lord, again, I do thank you for being able to gather here. And Lord, as, as we think of this, Paul's challenge to the believers at Ephesus, it's a challenge to us. Uh, Lord, you have a gift for each one of us. And you want us to use those for your glory. And a part of the use of that gift is to be the light that you would desire that we be uh, among those that we have contact with on a day-to-day basis, whether they be family members, whether they be co-workers, whether they be people we meet in the store. Uh, Lord, your desire is that we just, we seek opportunities, and as you give those opportunities, we just... uh, Endeavor to be the light that you have for us to be for you. And we would thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen.